Yo, what's going on, man? Back for another episode of the regular podcast. It's Kilo. I'm solo right now. Lucy is uh, uh, Shay, as y'all probably call her. I call her Lucy because you know various reasons. Um, Lucy is at an event right now. You know, um, International Women's Day was a few days ago, but she's with a, a group of professional women. And they're doing some more things to celebrate women and, you know, network and things like that. I I applaud it and I respect it. And I'm glad she went because, you know, she needs to be around some more women. She's around me and our daughter all the time. So it's cool that she's around some other ladies, especially highly professional, highly educated and professional career women. You know, that's a great thing. Me, (laughs) you understand, I'm, I'm just chilling you know, dolo right now doing my doing my thug. Um, I'm drinking some high quality H2O. Uh, this is from Kroger. Simple truth, and this is this is some good. This is the best water actually I've ever had. And they don't sell it at the black stores. They only sell it at the Krogers in the in the white areas. Let's just keep it a Buckington. You understand? It's a very good water. I am also drinking some crystal head vodka so if i slur a little bit i'm not gonna know right now i'll find out later you understand i'll find out when i another day all right so one of the first i haven't spoken to y'all in a minute how y'all been i'm cool right now i'm working on some landscape i'm working on a massive landscape issue uh prop uh project i am redoing everything in my front yard i killed all the grass I have, you know, I dug up the the plants that the that the previous owner had in the front. I I'm redoing everything. You understand? So I think I think I had a pretty good design. I built a retaining wall in front of my house out of straight landscape timber. I think it's I think it's all right. I finished the wall today, man, and I think it's a pretty good design. I've never seen it done the way I just did it. I came up with it because I wanted it to be kind of different. I have a neighbor across the street. They use landscape timber, but they kind of did everything was was linear. It was boxy. I wanted to do mine a little bit different. So, I, you know, I designed that, but I used theirs for inspiration. And I think it's pretty nice. You understand? Uh, I keep saying you understand, but it's whatever. I haven't spoken to y'all since Black Panther came out. Ain't that crazy? I also haven't spoken to y'all since Nipsey Hussle's Victory Lap came out. I'm a, let me talk about Victory Lap first because it's not. I'm not gonna say as much about it. Victory Lap definitely kicked the year off, man. I, I think it came out on February 16th. Every year for these last few years, we've been having one like super hard album kick the year off for everything else. Victory Lap is definitely that album for this year. Last year was Rick Ross's um, Rick Ross's Rather You Than Me. The year before that, it was Rihanna's Anti or Kanye West's um, Kanye West, The Life of Pablo, depending on what you like. Um, Rihanna came out first, but, you know, that's my preference. But, yeah, these last couple of years, we had some major good out. Great, good. I would call them great. <clears throat> Rather You Than Me is a great album. I think it'll be remembered. Anti is a great album. It'll be remembered. Victory Lap is a super hard album. It will be remembered because it's technically nipsey's first album great album my favorite song on the joint is young nigga it it got um diddy is on it it's just something about that beat man 
the beat is like cinematic. The beat to me is epic. I feel like I'm watching a movie when I listen to that song. I f- no, I don't feel like I'm watching a movie. I feel like I'm in a movie. I'm the movie when I'm watching that, when I'm listening to that song, yo. It's just to me it's an amazing song. Diddy's ad-libs to me don't make the song, but they are perfect in the song. <clears throat> and if you heard Nipsey Hussle, I listen to all I listen to all his um interviews or whatever. He said Diddy, he wanted Diddy to get on a song called um like I am nothing like you rap niggas or something like that. He wanted Diddy on that song. Diddy didn't get on that song. He he told Nipsey how to improve the song, but he actually chose young nigga. He was like, nah, let me get on this one. And did man, listen, Diddy he is who he is for a reason. He's worth eight hundred plus million for a reason. He's a smart guy when it comes to music and a lot of other things, but music specifically. He picked the perfect song to get on and they killed that song together, man. I love that song. My next favorite song is Dedication with Kendrick Lamar. And then after that, it's um, Loaded Bases with CeeLo. I love CeeLo features. Every time I hear CeeLo do a feature, I love it. And not because I love CeeLo, but it's just that he does hard features. So, Okay. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to talk too much about Black Panther because... We have talked about Black Panther to death by now because <clears throat> it's almost a month after the joint came out. I was actually going to go see it today by myself um, because my daughter's at her grandmother's house. But, like, everything is still sold out. Like, yo, it's a month. I've never seen a movie still sold out a month after. When I say sold out, I mean if you go to a movie theater where um, you have to pick seats, assigned seats, meaning you have to buy your specific seat. The only ones available are the seats directly in front of the TV, the uh, movie screen. I'm not going to sit in front of the movie screen. Everything else in the auditorium is sold. I have never seen a movie a month later still have people buying tickets at that rate. It's crazy. But I'm proud of them, man. They just cracked a billion dollars today worldwide uh, grossing. They just grossed over a billion and they cracked that number today. That's major. That's major. As I said, we have already talked about Black Panther to death. I'm not going just just in case anybody was confused about how I felt about the movie. I love the movie. The movie is great. The thing that we that the things that we've been talking about are interpretations of the movie, how we perceive the things in the movie. The movie itself is top notch. It's an eight out of ten, really. You know, it's one of the it's a great movie. Probably one of the best Marvel movies, period. I don't know if it's because I, I just like seeing what I saw or if it's because it's actually one of the best movies that Marvel made. I don't know. But um, we w- we have been discussing things that we interpreted from the movie, things we grabbed from the movie as far as how they how they show how they portrayed certain things. That's what we've been discussing. We haven't been discussing the validity of. Of the hype around the movie. The hype around this movie is well warranted. You understand? It's well warranted. I I would never take anything from the movie. I loved it. I wanted to go see it again. I'm telling y'all, the joint. I'm in Atlanta. The the joint is still sold out. I don't know what I could do about that. So, uh, hold on, man. Shay calling me. Let me see what's up with her. Hold up. Hello? What's up? 
Hello? Can you hear me? What's up? Okay. You... Huh? Yeah, what's up? Why are you doing that? Why are you just talking so fast? I'm not. I said something that you didn't answer. Oh, I said nothing driving home like you You Did you just leave? No, I left like 15 minutes away. I passed Memorial Drive. So then, why didn't you respond? Why you ain't, why you ain't text me back then? Okay, I'm report. I'm recording the podcast right now, so I'll talk to you. What? Why you don't wait on me? Um. Right, well, yeah, okay, you. You would have input on everything. You being recorded right now. Are you serious? Yeah, on speakerphone. <laughs> no, okay. I'm already rec- I'm in the middle of re- recording. I already talked about like two topics. Oh, all right then, fine. All right, I'll talk to you when you get it. Okay. All right, all right, y'all. That was Lucy. She called me. You know, she just left that that event I was just telling y'all about. Um, but Black Panther was great. They, yeah, like I said, don't we weren't. The people like me, we weren't complaining about the movie itself. We were trying to discuss what we analyzed and what we took from the movie, what we gathered from what we viewed. It was it. The uh, another thing I realized earlier today: this movie is actually better than I thought it was, and I haven't even seen it again. The reason I know it's better than I thought it was is because almost nobody who saw the movie left with no opinion. What do I mean by that? It means everybody who I know that saw this movie had more to say about it than what was actually in the movie. That means it's very thought provoking, very thought provoking. It caused a lot of conversation. People had a lot of conversation about this movie. To me, that equals a great movie. I've never went and watched the um and watched any of the Avengers movies, none of the Tony Stark's movies, none of the X-Men movies, no DC movies. I've never went and watched one and came home and heard people talking about it and discussing the symbology and the metaphoric value of the movie for a month. Not even a week have I heard that. This movie will go down in history. It's already over a billion dollars in four weeks. You understand? The movie will go down in history as one of the biggest movies ever. It's already one of the biggest movies ever after cracking a billion. But it's going to go down as one of the biggest movies ever. As far as impact, as far as monetary value, as far as career building, as far as resume value for those actors that were in it. Letitia Wright is my new favorite actor. Letitia Wright is the young girl that plays Shuri. Shuri is Black Panther's little sister. That's my new favorite actor. Not only was she in Black Panther, she was in a show called Black Mirror. She was in the final episode called Black Museum. Everything about her is black. But she's a girl, she's a young lady from uh, she's like 24 years old. She's from London, but she's like Nigerian or something like that. She she's African, but she's she grew up in London. 
She played in Black Mirror. The best episode ever of Black Mirror is season uh, season four, episode six. The final episode of season four. Letitia Wright plays a girl. She kills the role. Then she's also on a show that I watch called Humans. Humans is on Amazon. Black Mirror is a Netflix show. Um, Black yeah, Black Mirror is a Netflix show. Humans is a uh, Amazon show. Amazon um, Prime. She killed that too. She was in that joint, and it's like a futuristic show or whatever. She bodied it. She's also on a show called I mean uh, yeah, a show that was on Netflix that got canceled a couple years ago called Top Boy. This is like a UK movie. You know, it's about the hood in the UK. She killed that role too. Like I said, Letitia Wright is my new favorite actor because she solidified it by what she what she symbolized in Black Panther. I love that tech stuff. Tech is is I love it. And she did a great job with it. I said I wasn't gonna say too much about Black Panther, but okay. Um Oh, yeah. She's my favorite new actor. Ryan Coogler is my favorite director. Didn't know that he was like a a one of us. Coogler is one of us. If you hear his interviews, you know, yes, he's educated. He went to college. He's one of us. Okay, There, there are some people who are they look like us, but they're not one of us. Ryan Coogler is one of us. I did not know that because I never saw or heard him speak before this Black Panther rollout. Ryan Coogler is certified. Certified, man. He's one of us. I love it. He's my new favorite director. Okay? He he's on his way to being the next John Singleton um John Singleton and much more cuz John Singleton never managed a 200 million dollar budget, which Ryan Coogler just had for this movie Black Panther, 200 million. Now John Singleton has done some iconic movies matter of fact i'm lying he he might have because john singleton did one of them transformers so i don't know he might have had a 200 million dollar budget ain't no telling but i don't think he did but either way i think ryan cooler is on his way to being the next john singleton man he's great like that he went to film school and everything he's from the bay he's from oakland Man, we I'm I'm gonna watch him, man. He's he's a few years older than me. He's 31. I'm 27. I'm gonna watch him, and I'm gonna pretty much be watching him for the rest of my life and his life, because we're around the same age. Okay. Next, the Tory Lanez album dropped. Like, I think it was last week or the week before. Right now, I'm recording this on uh, March 10th. It's it's Saturday night. Tory Lanez dropped on whatever date. I don't even know what day it was. But <clears throat> so people were kind of judging his album. I, I listened to his album one time. I judged it. And I'm one of these people like, look, I don't need to hear an album 30 times. I don't need to listen to the shit uh, for a month straight. I just don't need to. I know on the first listen whether I like it or not. If I like it on the first listen. Or if it's good on the first listen, then I'll give it different tests. I'll give it the gym test. I'll give it the car test. I'll give it different, you know what I'm saying, the headphone test. I'll give it in the cleaning. You know, when you clean, that's an important, you know, that's an important music right there. So I give it, I'll give it different tests if it's good on the first listen. If it's not good on the first listen, I'm not, I'm not coming back to it. It's over. As they say in New York, it's a dub. It's a, it's a dub on that. 
All right, man, I just had to pause it because I had to do some things, you know, piss and refill my drink, things like that, you know, ordinary things. As John Legend would say, I'm ordinary people. Um, <clears throat> Really, the reason I brought up Tory Lanez is because I wanted to talk about how he just is a is an ultimate biter. Like, my man has no originality whatsoever. If you listen to most of the music on that on that new album, it sounds like Drake. Is don't even like it's like he went and found all the Drake songs he wanted to do, and just redid them shits. That's what this album sound like. Like not even it's like he redid Drake's best album cuts. Like what, yo? <clears throat> now, I had just recently come to the realization I can't be mad at Tory for that because Tory, first of all, is from Toronto. And he came out way after Drake. So, of course, he looked up to Drake coming up in music. He's going to sound like Drake because Drake is the representation of all of Canada. Any young musician coming up looked at Drake. That's just that's just the realism. That's just the uh, reality of it. So if, if anybody's coming out of Canada and they sing and rap, it's a almost a guarantee they're going to sound like Drake. So I, I can't knock him for that. It's almost like. It would be crazy to be mad at Jay-Z for resembling Big Daddy Kane. He's from there. He looked up to the man, then he came out however many years later. It's impossible to not sound like the person that you've been idolizing for however many years. So I'm not mad at Tory Lanez for that. What I am having a problem with, Tory Lanez does not have a sound. He has no style at all. They say Tory... I think academics said Tory Lanez was projected to do 14,000 the first week. That's terrible. And I don't even know, like, what he did the first album. I know that 14,000 can't be good for anybody, especially when um, Takashi 69 just did 55,000 his first week. Tory Lanez can't do 14,000. He has a major fan base. Excuse me. I just had to sip. Tory Lanez has a, a major fan base, and he did... Come on, that's disgraceful. I ain't going to say disgraceful because he's still touring. He's going to tour all over the world, really. Well, his world his world stuff will probably be with other people, but he'll tour all over the country. When I listened to the album, I don't think I heard anything that stood out as a single. I know he tried to do his little, you know, some of the reggae. No, nah, I ain't going to say like a, the vibes, you know, the vibes type music. But I didn't hear anything that stood out that even sounded like a single. So I don't know what Tory is about to do. He might be on his way out. I don't know. I don't know. That was all. I really wanted to. I brought up Tory Lanez because I wanted to talk about how much he just doesn't have a sound. He's just a biter. Um. Now, I want to get into what I really came here to talk to y'all about, man. I was having a conversation. I had posted a um, posted an article from I cannot remember who who it was. I think someone wrote it. A, a black person may have wrote it for the Washington Post. I think I'm not sure, but I don't know. They what they were talking about was how Obama didn't do anything for black people, right? And I'm not gonna get into that here, but I'm just telling y'all why I was in this mind state. Obama didn't do anything for black people. Everybody's arguing like, no, he's not supposed to do anything for black people. I'm arguing back like, then what the hell is we voting for somebody that ain't supposed to do nothing for us for? That's what politics is about. You vote for people that would do things specifically for your group. However, I guess everybody thinks that black people are supposed to vote just because. 
Black people are supposed to vote and we don't ex- we shouldn't expect anything for just us. Everybody votes and expect things for just their group. That's why Jewish people vote in blocks. That's why Chinese people vote together in blocks. That's why Korean people vote in blocks. That's why Mexican people vote in blocks. They vote to their to their interests, not the interests of all people. They vote in the interests of their specific group. Y'all understand. I know some people is going to say, well, and why did Mexicans vote for uh, Donald Trump? The reason so many Mexicans voted for Donald Trump is because those Mexicans that are eligible to vote, meaning they're American citizens. They voted for Donald Trump because they felt like don't let them little illegal Mexicans in. Let the Mexicans in that come in the way I came in, that came in the right way. That's why they voted for Donald Trump. They voted for Donald Trump on some uh, you know how they used to say how they say black politics or um, respect respectability politics. It's the same thing for Mexicans. Mexicans have that same respectability politics thing. How Bill uh, Bill Cosby looks down on certain people for doing certain things in the black community. That's how a lot of Mexicans that have made it in America look down on Mexicans that come across the border illegally. They look at them as embarrassments. It's respectability politics within their ranks. That's why so many of Mexicans voted for Donald Trump. So, like I said, everybody who votes votes in blocks. They vote for who they feel can do something for them. Why wouldn't black people vote for somebody and expect them to do something specifically for our group? Not saying that Obama was supposed to spend his whole presidency doing things for black people. He was supposed to do something for black people. Now, I know some people say he freed some people from prison. Yes, he did. Those were individuals freeing those people from prison did nothing for the entirety of blackness, which, OK, cool. Every he, he, he did what he did. Not knocking Obama because he don't he don't uh, he don't relate to the people that I'm expecting him to help. That's fine. But it made me think about the groups that get things specifically for them. Now, it was on my mind already. I'm talking to Shay yesterday, uh, uh, Lucy. I'm talking to my, you know, my lady Lucy, Shay, whatever y'all know her as. After she got off of work on Friday, yesterday, and she was telling me how, at her job, these Indians just got a massive pay raise. They went from, they went from where whatever they were at before, immediately to one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. I said, what? What are you talking about? So she started explaining to me. She said, yeah, all the Indian workers just went up. All their pages went up, all of them. I said, what? What is that? T- what are you talking about? She says, you know, she gave me more information than I realized, or not that I realized, but she said, it's the H-1B visa program. Why is that important? Do y'all know what the H-1B visa program is? Let me let me give you let me give you like I, I um I told my man Dennis, you know, Dennis had hit me up on Snapchat and said you shouldn't be drinking. He didn't say you shouldn't be drinking. I I was drinking and um he had said like, yo, you got to re-record that podcast because you're drinking. I said, no, this is information heavy. So let me the W uh, the H1B visa program. It's a lot of information. So y'all if y'all if you can't digest a lot of information right now. Come back to it another time. But let me let me break this down to you. The H-1B program is 
I won't read the whole thing, but I'll give you what it essentially is. And I'm on the United States Department of Labor website. These are facts. I'm not making nothing. I'm not, you know, I'm not just saying what I think it might be. The H-1B program is it's a program for for employers. It's a program for employers to hire people, international people. These are immigrants. These are international workers that have specific skills that where they can't find workers in America to do those things. But it's a little weird thing they added in here. They also added fashion models in here of distinguished merit and ability. I don't know what the hell kind of fashion model has some kind of distinguished ability, but they added models in there too to, to, that are allowed to come here for H-1B programs. The H-1B program is you're not an immigrant of America. You're considered a non-immigrant alien worker. Meaning you're only here because some uh, corporation applied for an H-1B application. They filled out an H-1B application and they brought you here only to work. Meaning if you're not working for that company under that program, you can't be here. Right. You're not an immigrant. You can't do anything that Americans do. None of it. You're only here to work. Right. They had a minimum wage which was established in like 2000, uh, like 1990 or it was 1989, but it went into effect in 90. Their minimum wage for these type of people that they can bring in from other countries and work here under that program was $60,000. Meaning if they brought you here under that program, they had to pay you a guaranteed 60,000 in 1990. You do the math on that, but that hasn't changed until 2017. It finally they repealed it, not that they repealed it, but they adjusted it. And under the Trump administration, they adjusted it because they were saying like a lot of companies are using this program and uh, in favor of immigrant, uh, in favor of people in other countries. But they kind of were shying away from or frauding the government and not hiring American workers. And uh, people look down on it. So what this um this politician in California, he came up with this thing called. Uh, the High Skilled Integrity and Fairness Act of 2017. He was the one that wrote it. His name is um, Lofgren, Zoe Lofgren, Zoe Lofgren. I don't know. No, that might not be his name. I don't know what his name is. But a, a, a representative in, in California came up with this rule, and it pretty much said, if anybody wants to be under the H-1B visa program, the, the employer has to pay them $130,000 minimum. Now, they came up with this program saying if if we if we put this program together, employers will stop hiring people from other countries and they'll just hire Americans. That's not what happened. Like I just told y'all, Shay told me that all these people at her job just got these wild pay raises. 43 people got these pay raises. The reason they got the pay raises, because think about this, all these companies that are that have these people working there, they're not just going to fire them and hire Americans. That's not how they work. But this this uh, representative in California, he put this thing together, which was approved by Congress. He put it together thinking that American corporations would just get rid of all these uh, all these H-1B people. Not all of them, but some of them that weren't absolutely necessary get rid of them and uh 
and just hire Americans. But no, that's not what happened. The reason those people have those jobs is supposedly because there aren't enough American workers that can do the job. So what did these American companies do? They just paid these people 130000 for the same work that Americans are doing for 60. Think about that. Americans are doing these jobs for 60. But by law, they have to pay these these um, H-1B people 130000 Not because their job is worth that much money, but because they have to because they're an H-1B recipient. They knew that the people that put this law together, he's a representative in in um, California. He knew how many people was working in the tech industry with H-1B visas. He didn't do that because he thought they was going to send all those people back to uh, whatever country they came from. He do that. He did that because he knew for a fact those companies would increase all of those workers pay. Most of those. I ain't going to say most. A lot of those people in those tech company in those tech jobs are in his state of California. That means all of those people's pay just went up. And really, it's it's not that they go up to 130,000. It's you have to increase to either 130,000 or you have to increase to whatever um the the pay is for the area that you're in for the job that you're in. Whatever is higher, that's the number you have to pay. So if you let's say you're in a place like Atlanta, like um, what Shay was telling me about her job, you're in a place like Atlanta, the average pay is around 60,000. Right. So that means they have to pay those people 60,000. Because that's average. So you have to go whatever is higher. But if the average is 60, but the minimum is 130, you have to go with the higher number, which is 130. Let's just say you in um, San Francisco. If the average is 150. Then you have to pay those people one hundred and fifty thousand. Listen, it's is is wild. I really. This is my first time talking to y'all about any type of immigration thing, and it's not immigration. These are these are people are considered non-immigrant workers. So they're not even immigrants of America. They're only here to work. As soon as they stop working, they have to go back. I've never talked to y'all about this, so I haven't given any kind of backstory. The reason I'm saying this is because people put laws together, not to say I want to help a bunch of Indian people. They put laws together that affect people of a certain circumstance. That circumstance happens to be one that encompasses all these people from a certain group or race or or ethnicity. Right. So if I want to help Indian people. I don't say I don't make a law for Indian people. I make a law for people with H-1B visas because I know that most of those people are Indian tech workers. That's how you get around stuff like that. So when I said Obama should be should have figured out how to come up with rules that mainly affect black people. I'm not saying that he should write rules for black people. I'm saying you got to do it the way they do the H-1B. Not I didn't say the H-1B. I'm saying. You make rules for circumstance, not for race. When Donald Trump <clears throat> last year, um, when Donald Trump did his tax overhaul, he came up with a system for estate tax. Meaning people used to have to pay a state tax, estate, E-S-T-A-T-E, for anything that was over five million dollars. 
right? If there was an estate over $5 million, you got to pay tax for everything above that. Donald Trump raised that number from five to $10 million. Now, if now that means all the people that was paying tax at five, six, seven, eight, nine million, nine hundred ninety-nine thousand, nine nine million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand, all those people that were paying taxes last year, they don't have to pay it no more. Now he didn't say this is for white men. He did something that mainly affects white men. It's a circumstantial thing. It's mainly going to affect white men. So you just put a rule in place that white men can benefit from. When you change the estate tax law, that don't do anything mainly for black people because most black people are not passing ten, uh, uh, $8 million down to their kids or to their descendants. But a lot of white people are, a lot of white men that are just like Donald Trump. They have a lot of money. They're passing that kind of money down to their kids and make sure they're not going to have to pay taxes on it. That's how you make rules and laws, regulations, or acts for certain groups. That's exactly how you do it. Shay didn't even know that I was having that conversation with people about Obama. She just randomly said that, just started telling me about the people at her job. I didn't know it was that blatant. Somebody had walked up to um, Shay's supervisor and said, pretty much, can you can you print this thing out for me? And this thing just had his new salary on it, which is now whatever, however many hundred thousand dollars, 140, 130, whatever thousand dollars it was. Just like on some, like it was normal. And to him, as a non, non-immigrant worker, it was normal. My pay is going up because of Donald Trump. He didn't say that. I'm saying that. His pay went up because Donald Trump put this rule in. Not even, it's not Donald Trump. <clears throat> but it happened under Donald Trump's administration because they were pushing to uh, supposedly that the new push was supposed to get them to hire more American workers. But Americans, the reason that they hiring all these people from around around the world is because there aren't enough Americans with those high skills. And there might be there might be a lot of black ones. They just ain't hiring them. I don't know what the case is because I don't work in the tech industry. What I do know is black people like this. This could be a thing. Black people have kind of been ignored in the tech industry. As far as like teaching, teaching on um, black kids to get in the tech industry until recently. It's only a recent thing where they telling us like, yo, y'all need to get in tech. And now they having all these STEM programs in black schools. That's only the last five years. Now they're going to have to they're going to have to come in and compete with all the white men that have been doing this since the 80s. And they're going to have to compete with all these Indians and uh, East Africans that just started that started doing it within the last 20 years from the H-1B visa. You understand? We're going to have to fight a mean uphill battle. And it's because rules were put in place to benefit certain people, not even certain people. They benefit people in certain circumstances. And black people are not a part of that circumstantial situation. Like I said before, this was going to be a dentist. I told you. Now, if I sound crazy, you let me know. But I know I don't sound crazy because I I was reading. Now, uh, I I told you it was going to be kind of heavy a little bit because I haven't spoken to y'all about this at all before. It's not even like there was no precursor to this. So, you know, it's, it is what it is, though, man. The H-1B visa program and it's not even it's the H-1B program. 
people in other countries don't don't um they don't apply for this program. Employers impl- apply for this program and they go find people to fit certain jobs. That's to tell you how mean it is. It's so mean. The Trump administration just came up with a new rule in the Department of Labor. And uh, like in June 2017, that says they are going to start enforcing and prosecuting people who violate and who fraud the H-1B program, meaning they hire people without even looking for Americans to do the job at all. They have, they, you know how people got like a rape hotline? They got a hotline you can call if you feel like somebody hired an H-1B applicant over you. That's how serious they supposed to be doing it now. They got an email address that you can email and they have a hotline that you can call to tell on somebody <laughs> who you feel like is, is frauding the H-1B program. And actually, we ain't going to play with it. We ain't going to play. I'm just going to give you the information. Let me find this thing, man. Let me let me give out the it's the rape hotline. It's the it's just like a rape hotline for real. And I'm going to just give you all the info just in case you need to. And I will say this also. They so they so lenient with these people. A violation. They only was charging employers eighteen hundred dollars for violating the program. They got three charges. I mean, eighteen hundred dollars, seventy five hundred dollars and fifty two thousand dollars. That ain't no money for no corporation to be violating an American law. Come on, man. Let me find this number so I can give it out, man. Like the suicide hotline, yo. I ain't playing with them. Matter of fact, I don't even see it. <clears throat> they did have a. No, you know what? It's a it's a form that you have to fill out. It's a form. It's not a it's not a e- it. It's not a. E- Let me give you the form. No, matter of fact, here you go. Report is called. All right, here's the email address. Report R E P O R T H one B abuse at U. S C I S dot D H S dot gov. If you see somebody violating the H one B program, you email that email address and they will investigate. You can also submit a form WH four to the department's wage and hour division. Now they supposed to be, cause this is the thing about, like I was telling you about color of law in the book, the color of law. They said that all of these rules have been in place. Like the rules that you can't discriminate and all that. It's just that there was no rule saying that the government had to enforce it. See, there's a difference between like a rule saying you can't do something and a rule saying we have to enforce the fact that white people can't do it. That's how that's how dirty the game is. Right. If they don't if there's no rule saying they have to enforce it, then they won't. So now there was never a rule saying you had to enforce these um, restrictions to the H-1B program until now. Now they have rules in place saying the Department of Labor has to enforce it and they have to be heavy handed with their enforcement. I don't know how, you know, I don't know. I don't know how serious that's going to be. But what I will say is they have this email address intact and they have a form you can fill out. If you feel like somebody has hired a non-immigrant worker over you and uh, you feel like you have the necessary skills to do the job. This is mainly not for people that don't have college degrees. This is normally for people in the tech industry or in engineering. High skill labor. So uh, I know uh, I don't know what a lot of my listeners do. I'm pretty sure that's don't apply to none of y'all. I don't know. I'm just guessing. It's probably don't apply to none of y'all. Like not even one. I don't know. 
I've been getting a lot of listens from Japan lately, though, so I don't know. Uh, man, listen, I'm not even going. I'm not going to talk y'all head off. I'm only at thirty. What am I at? I'm at forty minutes, man. I'm gonna let y'all live. I'm gonna let y'all live, man. Uh, I don't have nothing else for y'all. I want y'all to really think about this, man. Rules, regulations, acts put in place by the government, president, or Congress, or you know. There are ways to specifically target people. It's not by naming their race. It's by naming circumstances that mostly affect them. That's how you do it. It's not a new thing. White presidents have been doing this shit forever. Don't act like a black president can't do it. They can do it. You just can't say black people. You have to say People that go to underfunded schools. If you say we are giving this money to people that go to underfunded schools, you're going to mostly affect black people. Most white schools ain't underfunded. That's easy. That's not even like a it's it's it's, it's what they do in politics all the time. It's just like, what the hell, man? Whatever, man. Y'all, y'all figure it out on your own. Don't figure it out on your own. I just gave you all the information. You can go to Department of Labor. That's D-O-L.gov. DOL.gov. You can look all this stuff up on your own. I'm not making none of it up. I don't have a reason to make any of it up. I don't care enough to make things up. All right? And I like the Department of Labor um, inf- uh, information. They have all the information. This is where I get my employment information from for all you people that want to argue with me about black unemployment. You can't argue with the statistics, man. They keep that stuff up to date every week. I watch Nightly Business Report and I read the stats. They give out the worker information, the um, unemployed applicants. They they give out all that information monthly, and uh, just just chill out, huh? It's monthly. They do it weekly, but the the good information is monthly though. The uh, Shay is talking in the background. That's why I'm um, the the best information comes out monthly, but weekly there's information weekly though. But uh, yeah, man, that's all I got for y'all, man. I I get at y'all later, another time. I'm, you know, I'm sorry it's been so long since I recorded, but you know, you know how it go, cause y'all know how slow the new Rolls Royce be. <laughs> <laughs>